Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I am Haney. We are Needham Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 240, recorded in front of a live audience at Data Saturday Utrecht on October the 7th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needhampentech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. We are back. We've been allowed to do this again. We're in front of a live audience. I just love that you need to emphasize that they are live. <laughs> oh. There we go. They, they are clearly both live and alive. Yes. That's good stuff. So I'm so happy that we were allowed to do this. Andre is sitting in the front row considering if this was a good idea or not. And I'm sure we're going to have an answer in about 35 to 40 minutes. Seconds. <laughs> oh, seconds. That's also probable. I think I'm delivering already. Yes. Yeah. Because this time we did bring Simon along. Thank you. As a maybe not so data as a proficient person. <laughs> no, and, and, and that that prompts a bit of a um, introduction. So I do data. Uh, just about my entire uh, career has been about data. Haney can't really figure out what she does. <laughs> Um, she does both data and infrastructure, and Simon is the odd man out, and that is why Simon and I started the podcast almost six years ago. Uh, Simon, what what do you do? I do the fun stuff in IT. I do endpoints, security, identity, um, information security. I think that's it. So information Forward stuff, information security, I can grasp, but all the other stuff, how is that fun? Next question. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Anyways, what we're getting at is we have a very wide range of skills. If you were to draw a, a Venn diagram, we have some overlaps for sure. But there's so many things outside of my experience that Simon does or Haney does. So together we can do a pretty amount, pretty impressive amount of damage, I'll say. That is why a conversation on IT security and more specifically, data security and data platform security is so interesting. This is a bit of a live grenade because everybody will have an opinion on security. Let's start with how do we define security? What does security mean in this context? I want to start with you, Simon. What is what is your view of security? So for this episode and session, we will be talking about like information security in in practice. We won't touch on the cybersecurity aspects where you usually have an attacker trying to ruin your day for you. Um, so here it's more about ensuring that the information that you have is made available to the right individuals at the right time, uh, that you can trust that the data is correct, uh, and that your their users do not intentionally or unintentionally share the data with someone they shouldn't share it with. Good points. And Haney, what's your, your take on security from this perspective? I have to say Simon brought up the main points that I had in mind as well, but I, I did want to highlight that maybe when we talk about security nowadays, what comes first to mind is actually the cybersecurity mm -hmm. side, because there has been so many incidents lately, and whether it's been DDoS attacks or data being compromised or anything like that, but I think kind of to bring it from there, there is a lot that goes into the day-to-day -day activities 
that are actually affected by security. Mm-hmm. And in practice, there's always the balance of what is the correct amount of security and how much is it just coming from a security person or the somebody in the organization who's just like, we need to secure everything without any justification. And then possibly we have some all experienced sometimes how that can also sometimes make our life a little difficult. So kind of finding the balance between what is the right amount of security and what are we actually trying to achieve. So uh, show of hands, how many of you have experienced your IT department going, we need to change the passwords every two weeks. They need to be eight to 16 characters. They cannot contain any, yeah. Ever heard about that? Yeah, some scattered hands here and there. Let's the other way. Has anyone had a good experience working with cybersecurity people? No. <laughs> There's one hand. Enrico <laughs> has, mostly because Enrico is one of them. Exactly. <laughs> and I think we've spoken about this at other in other episodes as well, where I still think that security departments in a lot of organizations have a lot of opinions and very little responsibility. Uh, they don't need to ac- actually meet the persons they destroy the daily lives for, even though they want to do better. And, and th- this brings us to to um, the point here. We are not here to bash IT security. Quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Why are we... Well, let, let's start with that question. Why should we care about data security? Why why would we bother with this? What what challenges are we trying to, to fix? Or what, what kind of issues are we trying to mitigate with data security? Data security with air yeah. quotes? <laughs> Thank you. Oh. <laughs> We'll get back to that later yes. on. Uh, I do think that we are here because most of us, everyone apart from me, works with data. And what is the most important thing when it comes to data? That we can trust the data we consume in one way or another. We need to trust the source. We need to trust whoever has modeled the data and published the data. And if we don't have a good way of ensuring the integrity and the security of that data, then we might not even use it. Because if we can't trust the data, we won't care about the data, and then the data is useless. That was a lot of words you managed to put in that sentence. Mm-hmm. So trust <laughs> being one. Yeah. What do you mean with trusting data? That it is correct and up to date to some extent. All right. Is that security? Yeah, it is. Because if, like, just look at all of the cyber attacks that is ongoing currently. What is the, like... A lot of organizations get severely hit by it. The IT infrastructure is lost and so on. But the biggest impact is usually the trust for that organization. That's why, especially in Sweden, actually, a lot of companies do not uh, disclose that they have been attacked because they are afraid of losing trust from their customers. And I've heard so many times that data is the new oil, uh, that's uh, the most valuable asset we have. But that means that we need to trust it just like any currency. If we can't trust the financial institutions in a country, why would Bitcoin. we? <laughs> why why would we use it? Bitcoin again. True that. And um, all right, so are we are we looking at this from from the right perspective? Is is this a, a technical discussion or is this a people discussion? Both. <laughs> I think that's what makes it hard. Yeah. Uh huh. Could, could you could you uh, elaborate on on what you mean with both in this case, Andy? 
Well, there is, of course, a lot of technical things that we can do to ensure security. And like I said, it's so many levels that we can consider, whether it's networking. If you want to learn more we'll about get back networking, to that. you can come join my session later in the day. Uh, it's about access controls and having those actually defined in a good way that people are able to do what they need to do, but also, on the other hand, not have access to more data, for example, than required. But then it's also about the people and what kind of security awareness do they have? Are they able to recognize, for example, if their, well, if their accounts for one have been compromised, mm -hmm. that's more maybe an attack style of thing. But then also, are people able to recognize when something is off in general? So there's both aspects to it. All right. And in, in general, we can probably divide this into a number of, of, of sections, if you will. Mm -hmm. Access to data, mm -hmm. that's identity and, and privilege and the, the, uh, the concept of least privilege, always giving people access to what they need, but not more than that. Mm -hmm. That in turn is always a challenge mm -hmm. because it, it turns out that there is a bit of a discrepancy between what people need and what people want. <laughs> Just saying. In, in general, I would in, say. In yes. general, it has nothing to do with, with uh, data security. The other part is integrity. Yeah. And we've talked about tampering and lineage, mm -hmm. trust. And one thing that I want to, to, to have a think about, because we're going to come back to that in just a few minutes, the, the threat of AI. What can AI bring to the table when it comes to security and trust and, and tampering? Again, we're going to come back to that in a second. Sharing control of data, the difference between sharing data and losing data mm. is surprisingly small. Yeah, It's the same thing, just you're sharing for way too many people. Has anybody ever heard about um, share to uh, web, publish to web in, in Power BI? Yes. And anyone with this link can access. Oh, yeah. What could possibly <laughs> go wrong? Be Benny has a clear opinion. Yeah. Like, I, I think we've talked about that as well, but do you actually know what happens when you share a link which anyone with this link have access? It gives everyone access, regardless if they have the link or not. Oh, internal. wow. So you're sharing something with everyone who has access. Well, you're sharing and everyone has access, and you're saying that they're going to have access. Yeah, but the thing is that I think the, the way people interpret that is that you need the link, that the link itself is the key. Oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is that, not that's the a case good point. Because uh, if it's out there, it's out there. At a certain former employer, which I won't disclose, but both me and Alex worked there uh, five years ago. Um, some managers at one point discovered that anyone at the entire company could access the salary reports for our highest uh, leadership team. That was awesome. Yeah, because someone <laughs> decided that it was a good thing to share link uh, and uh, thought that you need to have the link. But being Microsoft Delve, which is a fantastic product still, I don't mm -hmm. even know if it's alive, uh, everyone could see that file. And the more people that clicked that file, obviously, they'll realize that, hey, this is a file people want to access and uh, <laughs> highlighted it for everyone. Yes. Your team is accessing this file. <laughs> might, you might be interested as well. And boy, were they. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And then we have the fourth aspect that is not the one that people think about the most. Mm -hmm. Infrastructure. Yeah. Maintenance. Mm -hmm. So just to show a hand again, how many of you are, are database professionals? A few. 
Have you ever come across a database at a customer site that was old or maybe not patched correctly ever? Okay, <laughs> there, there, there are some nods here and there, yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, have you ever found an up-to-date SQL <laughs> server? Well, actually, yes, in test environments. Yes. Because yes. they were new. And the thing is, uh, if you don't patch, that in turn can lead to a security vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So that is very much part of the discussion about security as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and, and also, of course, um, networking. When it is not the database's fault, which is rare, I know, then whose fault is it? DNS. Always yes. DNS, correct. And DNS means that it's networking, and we are so happy to hand all that stuff over to her. She is the personification of every kind of network issue you have ever had. She's that also Finnish. the most horrible thing you've exactly. ever told her, I think. No, no, you, I've, I've called her said, Finnish as well. You said that I am all kinds of networking issues. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're very good oh. at breaking everything you see. All right. So, okay. <laughs> just a quick and thing. Fixing. Look at our our, um, our um, microphones. One of them is not the same as the others. Someone messaged me yesterday and went, um, "I kind of forgot the microphone <laughs> for but, the two podcast recordings we are doing in five days." Yeah, but but it's good because I don't think there would have been space around the table for a third Ooh, one. Well played. Yeah, mm, exactly. Yeah. Totally Anyways, intentional. Of course. But let's go back to yeah. um, the um, data integrity part of things. Trust is so difficult to build and so easy to lose. It's literally instantaneous. When you leak data, when you mm -hmm. uh, when you have data stolen or, or, or um, ransomware. But in, in your opinion, is that the most dangerous part of, of data integrity? I think that would be a, 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 a resounding... Complicated question. Yes. <laughs> I would argue that what if someone were to get access to your data and change some parts of the data without ever telling you? Will that be a potentially bigger issue than someone stealing your data? Of course, there's always going to be a lot of answers to that question, but just think about the, the possible consequences of having been hacked a couple of years back and you didn't even realize. How how often does that kind of issues crop up in your line of work as an information security person? I would say that it, it's yet rather rare, but I think that it will become much more common given that AI needs a lot of data and that when we have someone else that is the AI, making decisions based on that data. I definitely see a new way of attacking organizations and societies by changing that data. We already know that data is biased in many ways. And changing data will not just impact the decisions made by AI or by people that interpret the data. It will also impact uh, like the, the actual decisions we make will impact a lot of people. So I do think that will be more common. But what we see today is obviously that we have threat actors that hack websites and change information or put their own information up there. Mm. Again, mostly because they want to show that this is what we can do. You can't trust the organization we just hacked. 
So I do think the, the question of data integrity will grow over time. And especially when AI is not just something that the biggest organizations can work with, when everyone can work with it, we need to question, is the data that these organizations make decisions based on trustworthy? Even if it's an attacker that have changed something or just if the company have a, a biased or inaccurate data um, gathering of data. That's a good point. So integrity in a way is also an interesting area because it could also be compromised due to like a fault yeah, in your yeah. data source system, mm -hmm. some kind of kind of bug or fault in your processing or something like that, or even like a human error. Mm. Somebody inputs something that is not actually entirely accurate. So it is not necessarily always even a, a matter of like a mm. bad actor yeah. in a sense, but can also be. No, there, there's, um, there's a saying in English that do not attribute to malice what could be e equally explained by stupidity. Mm. Uh, the amount of people that they're trying to break things are hopefully going to be smaller than the people that do so unintentionally. Mm -hmm. and, and that is, of, of course, a positive side effect of working with information security and identity and privileges and so on, because you minimize the mm -hmm. opportunity to make mistakes. That is the main reason why I, when I do consultancy assignments, always ask for global reader, even though many of my customers want to give me global admin within their entra ID. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. I, I don't know why, which one I hate the most, Twitter being X or uh, Azure AD being Entra. It's equally ugly. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is in agreement there. So uh, Simon is amazing when it comes to rants and he has a lot of opinions on especially Entra and the name Entra and IDs and all those things. One of our listeners pinged me on Twitter this morning. On X, you mean? <laughs> I will, I will never call it X. You just did. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and uh, highlighted that Intel has, uh, by mistake, disclosed a possible Windows 12. And uh, You heard it here first. Uh, and I at some point said that I am absolutely 100% certain that Microsoft won't release a new operating system after Windows 10. He said that. Yes. That went well. <laughs> that, that aged very well. Mm. So... What's your take? What um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts around um, any challenges that you're facing with regards to data platform security and, and all those things. Hit us with, with just about anything. I know for a fact that Andre likes to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Grab the mic, Andre. We ask for voluntary, voluntary questions and then my, Alexander will find a volunteer. So I have a data question for Simon. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be good. So having seen um, the, the, the Azure cost, for instance, for larger companies, mm -hmm. I noticed that especially the security departments and the fraud and compliance departments mm -hmm. are very expensive because they have a lot of data. Yeah. Also, criminals are hard to find in that data because they try to look like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself working with the data a lot or are there so many expert tools that you need to, to learn on top of that so you don't really touch the data yourself? As a data professional, I'm just curious if you get to play with that cool stuff. Yeah, so I, I rarely touch 
the or, or is the question if I touch the data that's created by security or if I touch the underlying data when doing an investigation or something like that? Yes. Both. <laughs> <laughs> now I know where you have learned that. So I, I would say that that is one of the things that I enjoy in helping out with cyber incidents, that I need to talk to people that I otherwise wouldn't have spoken to. Because I can never say, this is odd, if I don't understand how you're using data today. Uh, so I need to understand if the, this looks odd to me. Uh, I have an example where uh, one tool that we were using saw that doctors were taking screenshots of um, a journaling system like mm. 100 times per day. And like, what are they doing? It's, it's like a lot of um, personal information in this. But it, it was a way of working for them because the journaling system didn't work as they wanted it to work. So they were able or they were forced to do that. It's the same with data. I can see things that look suspicious, but I won't know if it's suspicious before I've spoken to someone that actually understands it. On the other hand, I do work with the data that all of these security tools creates. Um, for me, it's usually within Microsoft Sentinel. Or is it Azure Sentinel? I always forget. It's probably Entra Sentinel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Which obviously produces a lot of information, a lot of data. Same goes for when you have networking logs or whatever pushed to Sentinel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is something I and many others underestimate what we could do with that data if we just knew how to make use of it. And now we trust, this is going to be good, we trust the AI underlying and the machine learning <laughs> underlying that it will find the things for us or we just search the data in usually very simplistic terms rather than actually using it for, for something good. No, and then was, was that an answer to your question? And on that, I happen to know what, what Andre works with. And you're going to get a question in just a second. If you have a lot of banking data and you're looking for fraud, that sounds like a good something for an AI um, or an algorithm, yes? Would you think that if you just train this AI on all the fraud stuff you've ever seen, it is going to be amazing over time? Yes or no? Everyone is Why shaking not? their heads. Why not? the people are now picked out to have committed fraud there's a lot of lots of bias in that and that bias is then perpetuated through the ai so you get even more biased data which is more biased and more biased and more biased and more biased so that means that you need to retrain the model to take uh, take that into account or how, how do you how do you account for that I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you might not use, you might not want to use AI in that way for it. Because it seems too risky for me, but I'm very AI, um, uh, um, I'm very AI, uh, no, careful. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I can't come up with the right word. <laughs> I'd, I'd use the word skeptical in this case, but yes. <laughs> yes. But um, Andre, knowing that these are among the things that you do, how do you how do you handle 
uh, the changing behavior of, of fraud over time. So you can see it yourself if you have a new banking app, for instance, and the banking app crashes the first few days and we all go, oh, those silly developers, they released it too early or something. <laughs> it's not. It's the anti-fraud system trying to get to know how you work with the app and it kills your connection because it doesn't trust it, it doesn't understand. <laughs> uh, so how do we, how do we know? Uh, criminals try to look like normal people, right? They don't. Mm -hmm. They don't fake an invoice or something and then you wire the money to the criminal. You wire the money to a jewelry shop or a car dealership mm -hmm. and they've bought a car the day before. And they know that you're going to do that. They time their crimes. So they show up, car's been paid and they drive off. It's, um, they're smart. And <laughs> I don't know if an AI can just figure that out by itself. That's a good point as well. So it kind of sounds to me, and I'm curious to hear your view on this, are we, is, is this whole thing a technical problem or a people problem again? I, you're, I, gonna, you're gonna answer it, right? Yeah. I, I'm still gonna say both. Yes, <laughs> but it's, it's a people problem. Yes. But that doesn't mean that it has neither nor a, a, a people solution nor a technical solution. It, it has to be both. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Okay, so both <laughs> is the key word here. Both. Right, always both. both. Or all. <laughs> all right, good point. So where we're really getting with this is talk to your security people and, and, and establish a conversation with security. Be security aware before the security people have to talk to you. You do not want to wake up one Tuesday morning with that, that phone call from security going, yeah, you know all your data stuff? Mm, everybody else does too. <laughs> That's That would kind of suck. Yeah. Let's try to avoid that. Yeah. And I, I think with you know having more cloud-based solutions in the data field, I, I think there's more of responsibility of the security has also shifted to the data professionals, mm -hmm. just like all the infrastructure stuff as well. And then there's the security aspect. and. So we need to ensure that we have enough knowledge of the security aspects to be able to then talk to the security organization, for example, and also maybe challenge their requirements sometimes a little bit Yeah. and understand why are the requirements in place to begin with. But the, 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 the divide between security as it that's one part and the the business or developers or whomever you want to bring into this that divide is also bringing a security issue in and of itself um, so when I, I started working with computers late 90s we had unix systems you couldn't log in unless you knew how there was just it was a very black prompt just looking at you and going yeah come on come on and if you didn't know what to do you're not even going to get in. Then came Windows NT. Yes, I'm that old. And Windows NT, well, you can log in and you can click around and you can do all kinds of things with a mouse. You'd be surprised how much issues you could cause with a mouse. Still can. And what I'm saying is that by increasing user um, adoption or usability, if you will. The ease of use. Ease of use is, yeah. is a better word. You're also increasing potential security issues. Mm -hmm. That's one aspect of it. But the other aspect is also if someone can't use it, 
Let's take Power BI, for instance. If you can't figure out or you don't have the, the licenses to share properly, what are you going to do? You will probably share the web and, he, and, and, and Benny is going to have an aneurysm. So there, there are two aspects to this discussion all the time. And then we throw in the whole idea of security being their own thing <laughs> in their own ivory tower. They may or may not understand the implications or even what security means for this specific user yeah people, I, people are hard yeah but I, I do think that like we started off with few have had a good experience with working with the security teams uh, and that has put us into a situation where we rather would ignore them or do things our way uh, rather than working together with them so i do think it's it's we have asked to be able to make our own decisions in many ways. Like, don't come here and tell us what we should do because we know our data things or endpoint stuff best. Uh, please just stay there and we'll call you whenever we need you. If we want that to happen, we also need to take that responsibility and actually think about security. And it's not something that we should think of once we're done with the fun things. Because that's I have a customer currently which have... They are a relatively heavy user of Power BI. And every time I meet their security teams, it's like, yeah, we have, we have Power BI and it scares us because we have no insight in what those people have done. And that creates a distrust from their side where they are less uh, willing to help out. So I do think that security to me should always be the enabler. If we can be security focused from the start to ensure that we set up the accounts correctly, the permissions correctly, we think about the infrastructure and how that should look. Once that is done, we can actually focus on what's fun and what's creating value. But if we go the other way around, we might find that, hey, we did all of this. Now when we implement the security controls, things start to break. Mm -hmm. Or security might even say, you're not allowed to put this to production because you have not followed um, the policies that we have set up. And then it's too late to have that discussion. One really good approach for that is to actually start the communication early on, as you yeah. also said. And if we take more of an approach that, hey, maybe we can tell about the security aspects that we understand mm -hmm. of the area where we work with and kind of tell the security team about them, it will kind of alleviate yeah. that being scared and not mm -hmm. understanding what is actually happening. And then maybe we can then both sides learn from each other and actually figure out how can the requirements then fit into our situation. Mm -hmm. So I, I do have like good experiences from that sense <laughs> that if you do start the conversation and actually openly share, then you can have an open discussion mm -hmm. and figure out what is the best way forward. So, yep. And then you will obviously be in disagreement. My yeah. favorite disagreement <laughs> I still have are security people that have worked with Windows their entire lives. And now, I don't know if you've heard about these MacBooks. And security <laughs> people don't like them because they try to secure them the same way as they've secured Windows for 30 years, which is badly. Um, and I think that is, it's, it's a new skill for them to learn. Because previously it was relatively easy to secure a server that was sitting in the data center and just happened to be a SQL server on top of it. Now when we move that into the cloud, um, that is something that they do not understand how to secure. And that kind of brings us to Fabric. Microsoft Ooh. Fabric. Who heard about Microsoft Fabric? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Just short no. Intelligent data platform. Oh, do not open that can of worm, please. <laughs> we will be censored. So Microsoft Fabric brings this wonderful idea of, of a complete data warehouse in your pocket, right? The idea is phenomenal. And I think it's going to be amazing, but it also brings with it some interesting potential issues because suddenly the people, i.e. The, the data people that have spent years and years grinding their teeth, not getting the incorporation they wanted from the security people, no longer need the that, that because mm-hmm. they can do everything inside of Fabric. So as we move farther and farther to towards a, a more complete SaaS solution, we're also potentially increasing the divide between security and the business. And that brings um, us to, to what I want to make as a final point here is look at the three of us. We don't do the same thing in our daily lives, but we found ways where we can always call on each other. If there's something in security that I simply do not get, I ask Simon. Entra. I never ask Entra. If there's something with DNS, I call Haney. So you don't need to look only inside of your community. The data community is fantastic. It is vibrant. It is super powerful, but it is also limited. There are so many things happening outside of the data community that is just child's play to people who work with, say, for instance, data security or or information security. So don't be afraid to go outside of not only your your comfort zone, but also your your, um, community to find answers. They might be there, but you just didn't know where to look. It's also more efficient because I've had a a client, oh, sorry. I had a client where we were doing a networking project. Uh, And one of the blockers for that networking project were that the people that were managing the network felt very stressed out because they needed to create Azure or AD groups. And they weren't really certain on how to do that. Mm. But instead of asking their AD team, which were like three people, could you please create AD groups for us? They struggled in finding their own way of automating the creation of, of groups. So I do think, and that delayed the project by like three years, which is which Entra. says a lot about the networking people's capability of doing anything other than IP addresses. DNS. They can't even do that. Ah. Um, so I, I do think it's of value to actually ask people yeah. to help out. We don't need to understand the security implications of everything, just as security people do not need to understand the entire infrastructure that they're trying to protect. Good point. So at the end of the day, this is about people. People create the issues and people create the solutions. So don't be afraid to talk to other people. Yeah. And, that can and be hard. That can be hard for sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the Swedes and Finns are talking and encouraging others to speak to people. I don't really see how that would be. I didn't see that happening. No. Yeah. no. But you heard it here first. The Finns say, let's talk to people. And with that, should we open up for questions? We could definitely do do questions. Are are there any are there any questions? Uh oh, or ben, opinions? Ben, ben is moving. <laughs> Don't happen to move at the wrong time. You will be called on. <laughs> so 
I've been having a lot of conversations with information security and cybersecurity departments where mm -hmm. they want to lock down all the things. Yeah. Lock down all the things versus having serious gaps in user experience. Mm -hmm. What is your take on finding the balance between the two of those? Should we start? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a really tricky part actually to figure out because you you oftentimes need to figure out go kind of dig deeper why do we have that requirement that we need to lock down everything and oftentimes i feel like the answer is kind of like well you just have to do it yeah <laughs> but what if the answer is we've been doing it like this for 15 years yeah, and we yes. refuse to change <laughs> Yes, that is the other option, I think, the second option that we get for that. And I do think both of those answers actually really stem from like not knowing other ways to mm -hmm. do things and not understanding that there is so much more that we can do to secure things. I think still uh, one of the most common approaches to security is like, yes, we need our own networks for everything. We need private endpoints. Uh, everything and all that. And it can then bring difficulty on the wake. I've done plenty of those and, you know, uh, but I still don't necessarily think that it's the only way to secure things. And so I personally like to start the conversation with just figuring out that, hey, actually we need to think of the security more like a onion, mm -hmm. <laughs> a layered approach. Uh, networking is just one of them. And then there's so many other aspects. So I definitely think it's, I don't have any like good <laughs> solution for it other than just like talk it out, grind it out, find the places where it's possible to make some compromises, not on security, but actually on the ideologies that people hold. And then kind of, sometimes it is a gradual pro process and if people are used to, yes, we need to protect our network, then it's maybe not going to immediately shift to let's focus on all the other mm -hmm. areas except the networking. But at the end of the day, it's all about figuring out the why. Yeah. Why are we trying to lock down all the things? We've been doing this for 15 years is an answer, <laughs> but it's not the right answer. No. But definitely something that needs to be digged into. And I would also say that... Uh, the reason why you have those discussions are twofold, in my opinion. One is that you don't share the same goals. Yep. Like security still, which saddens me, have the goal secure the organization to any means possible. And a lot of you especially have the goal of helping the organization grow or reaching their goals. Mm -hmm. And security needs to understand that that is part of their role, that mm -hmm. they can't secure the organization if that prevents the rest of your organization from actually reaching their goals. And at the same time, the data people need to understand the consequences of, of sharing data with everyone at every moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a give and take. Absolutely. And the other part, which is, which I find fascinatingly hard for organizations is to value the risk. Mm. Because you never talk about what is the risk of securing it in this way versus what is the risk of keeping it as it is. Yeah. What is the impact? Uh, in, in healthcare, it's relatively easy. Will a person die or not? But in They will. 
<laughs> at some point, yes. Yes. Uh, but in a lot of other organizations, it's either financial damage, reputational damage, uh, physical damage to something, uh, which we need to bring into the process. And that might lead us into it's actually not worth creating these hurdles for the business because it will have an impact versus we need to stop people from sharing it with everyone and their cat um, because that is a very high likelihood of something happening and it could potentially have very serious consequences. So shared goals and also a shared view on how to assess risk uh, needs to be in place. Otherwise, we will never come any further. Another question. Matej is going to do the, the very last question because we are doing what we always do, run out of time, please. <laughs> yes, okay. So really good tips here. And I'm curious about how do you make the, the security guys view at things from a more holistical angle? Because what I often see is that, yes, they will secure everything mm -hmm. down, but then they have blind spots. And mm -hmm. I've seen it so many times with very, very secure backends, mm -hmm. even to the point where it's an extreme and it's locked down. But then they just open up for everything in, for example, Power BI. Mm -hmm. Everyone can access the data. They probably even use published web or something. And the security guys are just going, well, but that's just an application. That's not our area. So they, mm -hmm. they ignore that part, but they lock the rest completely down. And at the end of the day, all that security is wasted because mm -hmm. the data is open anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do. Uh, I think Alexander and Haney can pitch in on this as well. But I, I do think that the... The challenge there is, is what Haney spoke about earlier. If you have a security team that's been very focused on network security, they think that the network side will fix everything. I don't know how many organizations I've met that we are secure because we have a micro-segmentation in yes. place, which has never protected anyone Dude, from Dude, we anything. have a firewall. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of. It's a great firewall. Yeah. Uh, and then we have people like myself who secure everything on the endpoint. But we, we really need to have that input from others. Um, and for that to happen, I, I do think that security's role within an organization needs to change in one of out of two directions. Otherwise, one way is that they actually get both the uh, responsibility um, and take uh, like which take the responsibility for what they do. Uh, they implement something and they need to take the consequences of what they implement. Or they're just a support organization where all of us can call when we need help. We are setting this up. Can you help us? And they have no responsibility. They are only there to be our support, uh, like support in, in IT security questions. Uh, and neither of these are very common today. It's mm -hmm. somewhere in between, which makes security untouchable because they can say whatever they like and they never need to take consequences for their actions. That's a good point. Like I'd, children. <laughs> like children. And I, I'd like to add that we're back to the whole we need to step away from the divide. We need mm -hmm. to have security people that understand both the business, data, and all the aspects, and vice versa. This is not a you problem. Mm -hmm. This is a us problem. We will be creating this problem, meaning that we will be part of creating the solution as well. And now we are absolutely out of time. We're, we're horribly consistent on that. So again, thank you so much for joining us and in, in having this conversation. We'll be, be having the next one at Data Minds, where we'll be talking about uh, personal branding mm -hmm. and uh, 
Reputation. Reputation. Reputation, exactly. So until next week, we'll see you all and have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Hidibin Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Haini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at